Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast, or welcome to the podcast if you are a new listener. I don't know why I just saying that, that's how this went, that's what's happening. So, first off, if you can hear some buzzing in the background, my fan is on, my computer is overheating, I'm doing my best to get this intro done as efficiently as possible for all of you, so excuse the background noise, and let's get into my introduction to this episode. So, today's episode is with Carla Russo. I am so excited to have been able to interview her, and I do want to interview her in the future all about human design because that's what her upcoming launch is about, human design. I actually got a human design reading with her. I plan on getting another one soon, and it was so friend freaking fantastic. It was so beautiful. I honestly, I was so tired when I was getting the interview done. I was really energetically drained. It was the week I was taking off of social media, and I feel like if I was more in tune with my energy, I would have gone so much more out of the human design reading, but luckily she will record the uh, reading for you and then send it to you, share it to you so you can receive it after, rewatch it, which is what I'm planning on doing this week so I can really understand my energy more so I don't completely deplete myself again because that's what was happening before. So yeah, today's episode is with human design reader and journalist, storyteller, Carla Russo, and she is absolutely amazing. Her Instagram, Happy Little Carla, is so amazing. She writes poetry for her Instagram, and it's so mesmerizing. It's so beautiful, and I absolutely am in love with this girl. She, her stories, Boat Life, all about the boat life right now, and it makes me so jealous because I wish I was surrounded by water. I wish I was on a boat. Ugh. She's living the dream life right now, and she is so authentic to her truth. She really steps into her power, and she's not only an inspiring, motivating, courageous journalist, but she is a down-to-earth, crazy good human design reader. There is so much positive things I could say about Carla, but you know, I don't want to ramble too much. So today's episode is all about storytelling, following your heart, growing from your childhood trauma, sharing your story in the power of words. We didn't get a touch on human design. It would have been way too much to talk about journalism and human design, storytelling and human design. So we're saving human design for another podcast episode in the future. So be aware that she will be coming on the podcast again. And I'm really excited for that to be a thing. I am so excited about it. And I do want to say that she has an upcoming launch. Uh, She's taking applications for it right now. And it's a 10-week, one-on-one human design program. I don't know all the deets, but if you go to her Instagram, and it'll also be linked in the show notes, you can sign up to be a part of the application and you can chat with her about it if you're looking to get human design reading done, if you want to up-level your life, if you want to step into your power, if you want to understand who you are to the core. Her human design workshops are great, but more importantly, her upcoming program is going to be friend freaking fantastic. I had a beautiful time talking to her just on one session. I can only imagine what 10 weeks is going to be like. So hop on that, go check her out. I'm all about it. Okay, so 
before we get into her and the episode, I do want to do my normal, what am I grateful for today? How have I put myself first today? And also tell you about my life for a little bit. So today I am so grateful for breath work and meditation and what it has been showing me. My meditations lately have been vivid as fuck, okay? And it has been absolutely amazing. And breath work before meditation has really amplified my meditation, but breath work in general has helped me really overcome my insecurities, has helped me break through so many barriers, so many blockages. And breath work and meditation have been the foundation of my morning routine. And I'm so grateful for them. I'm so thankful for them. And they really help me shift me in the right energy, in the right headspace, and help me put myself first every single day. Now, I can say I put myself first today by doing meditation and breath work. Pretty sure I said that last week. So I don't want to, you know, do it again and again and again. I've done that before. So I've put myself first today by setting aside times to actually eat full meals meals and not just snack all day. I'm a big snacker. I love snacking, but it's so important to eat meals throughout the day. So I've been meal prepping throughout the week, making extras so I can always eat it for lunch the next day. I'm great with breakfast. I'm great with dinner. My breakfasts usually aren't super big, but I'm still make sure I eat in the morning. I eat dinner. Lunch is the hard time because I don't like cooking in the middle of the day. So having something prepared has been helping me a ton. So I put myself first today by eating meals, eating lunch, and also prepping food for myself. So important. It really helps me make sure I'm putting myself first throughout the day and it really makes sure that my energy is at full capacity and I can take breaks when needed. So setting aside time for lunch is also a way I put myself first today. Having lunch breaks are really important instead of working and eating. That's not good for your digestive system. It's so important to really tune into your food, focusing on chewing and not, you know, mindlessly consuming food. So Yeah, that's how I put myself first today. And with meditation, with breath work, with putting yourself first, on July 12th, I am launching my one-on-one coaching program, Upgraded Identity Shift, which is all about transforming you from a people pleaser to a self-worth warrior. It's about taking control of your life back and cultivating killer self-worth worth guys. And if you've been waiting to really step into your power, if you've been waiting to really take life into your own hands, if you suck at setting boundaries, if you are the worst with saying no to the people you love, this program is for you. We use meditation and breath work throughout the program as a catalyst to amplify where you want to be, where you are now, and how to overcome any roadblocks, any challenges, And something super cool about the program is that you get to create a personalized, customized toolbox that you can stick in your pocket for whenever you have anxiety, whenever you have a not so great moment, when you're kind of stressed out, when you need to focus on yourself, when you need to understand what's going on in your mindset. This toolbox is for you and we focus an entire phase on creating a toolbox that will set you up for success in the future. So if you really are ready to shift your life to make your daydreams a reality and to create the desired reality you are ready to live, I totally recommend signing up for my one-on-one coaching program. It's going to be open July 12th 
and I'm so excited about it. This is such an intimate journey with yourself, the healing journey, the journey towards evolution, the journey towards growth is so sacred and so transformative to yourself, and I am more than happy to hold your hand throughout the process. It's a 12-week program. I'll hold your hand for 12 weeks, but we're setting you up for success where you don't need me, and you can be the independent goddess that you already are by the end of it. So I'm super excited to be launching that. Um, More deals to come on July 6th. I will have an entire episode dedicated to showing you or explaining to you because you can't see when you, you know, have a podcast episode, you can't see it. So it's going to be dedicating the entire episode. Okay, Emily, get your words together. The entire episode on July 6th will be all about my program. So look out for that. Uh, If you're interested in this, if I said anything as of right now that you're like, wow, I'm interested in this shit. DM me on Instagram. We can set something up. You can get in early if you want to. I'm down for that. So yeah, enough about me, enough about my life. This episode with Carla is so, so amazing. And I'm so excited for you to hear more about storytelling, following your heart, growing from growing from your trauma, sharing your story in the power of your words. So enough of me, enough rambling. We all know how I can go. Welcome Carla Russo to the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today I have Carla Russo here. Hey Carla. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. It's my day off, so I'm just chilling. Yeah, I love having a day off. Yesterday I did absolutely nothing all day. And, or I was trying to embrace doing nothing. I still did things, but I was trying to embrace like the whole, let's do nothing and just let myself flow. Completely. I have those, I'm not doing anything, but really I'm doing a ton of things days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. It just kind of goes in and out. So we're going to start with some like regular questions. I ask even myself when I do my solo episodes. So what is something that you're grateful for today? Mm, good question. Um, something that I'm grateful for today is I think being more conscious about time, like I've been meditating a ton recently and I've noticed that like, I feel like I have more time, even though I don't like, there feels like a lot of spaciousness. So I'm grateful for that. Oh, I'm going to add one more. Yeah. (laughs) My husband also recently started meditating too. And he like, Ooh, that's so exciting. Yeah. It's not something that he would like consciously do before. So I've been joining him and his little, like his are like more five minute, like Yeah. So I've been joining him and I really am grateful for that. It's such like a cool experience to do with him. Oh, that must be so amazing. It's like, um, when you go to a group meditation class, except now it's with someone who's like way more close to you and like Mm -hmm. you hold heart space for. Yeah. I've actually never gone to like an in-person meditation class. Really? Yeah. I've done them like through zoom calls just during this pandemic, Mm -hmm. but I've never like gone to a physical space to do it. Well, maybe once. But it was after a yoga class, you know, it was never just meditation. Yeah, the group meditations that I've gone to have been really powerful because you can feel everyone's energy and it just like really elevates the room. Um, Yeah, that's how I started meditating more was I went to group meditations with like a close friend and then I was able to like do it by myself, I think, because it was guided. So I think that helped me too. Oh, I like that. I really like that. I'm going to try. Well, I live in a small town where there's like... Me too. (laughs) ...one of some places to do that, but I'll try. Yeah, this is like the only place I know how to. And I think more people in my area are hosting meditations. I think like that community, the the health, wellness, spirituality community is growing, which is really beautiful because last year, I don't think anyone was really hosting meditations or like 
doing it often. Okay. And then the second question is how have you put yourself first today? Um, how have I put myself first? Well, I've been doing this thing for the last like two to three weeks where when I wake up in the morning, I journal my dream and then I say like a little prayer. Um, and prayer is like med- like an active meditation. I like to think of it as an active meditation. So I kind of got my day started and forgot to do it. So then I like made space and sat down in this like room that I have here and did it. So it was just like a conscious moment to do what I promised myself I'd do. Yeah, I love that. Especially when you like you get going in the morning really quickly and then you take time to actually come back to yourself and be present and do what makes you feel good. It's really empowering and it helps you like, I guess, push through the rest of your day. Yeah. And I also find too, like dream journaling is fairly new to me. My friend kind of just suggested it to me. And I have found that if I move too fast, I'll forget what the dream was. So I'll have to like close my eyes and try to think about it or not think about it, like monitor what thoughts are coming into my mind and be like, oh, that that was it. And then I can write it down real quick. Yeah. I've been wanting to track my dreams or I guess journal about my dreams for a while because I feel like within the past like few months, they've just been a lot more clear and vivid than before. And like, I'm experiencing like so much more in my dreams, but then like I'll wake up and I'll start doing things and I won't remember everything that went on. Yeah. Do you dream a lot? Like before that, have you, are you a regular dreamer? It started within the past year where I became a regular dreamer and then it would like come and go. But within the past, like I would say a few months, probably when the pandemic started and I started being home all the time, my dreams were a lot more amplified. Yeah, dude, I've, I've had like repetitive dreams all my life. Um, but I have the same thing recently. I've been having really vivid dreams and they're pretty intense and I don't even know what people do. I don't know how other people dream journal, but I've been using it as a way to understand what I'm going through currently. Cause a lot of my dreams tend to have like a direct correlation with what I'm going through. And I, I now when I dream journal, I put a takeaway at the very bottom and it's like a one or two seconds about what it is that I need to like learn. And it's been super helpful, like kind of really eye opening. Yeah, that seems really eye-opening, especially when you kind of write that takeaway at the end. I think it really helps put everything together. Mm-hmm. And plus, and it's hard to like go back in your journal entry and like read big chunks of text. Like it just one really succinct way of remembering. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. So we're going to go into some speed round questions. So what is your favorite form of self-care? Ooh, okay. Um, I would say meditation right now. And that's something I picked up in the last two years. Um, I've been doing to be magnetics meditations or I was for about a year. And then that kind of helped me get a regular practice going. And now I kind of just take it and make it my own. Like I don't really do the recorded versions that she has. I like put on music and I'll get into the state of mind that I need to get in. And then sometimes I'll like come up and then start writing and it just really starts a creative flow for me, which I absolutely love. I have to agree with that. When I started meditating in the morning, I started, my energy, I guess, shifted completely. And I was like way more free and able to like hone in on like my creative self and also just express myself way more. Mm -hmm. So you do like self-guided. Yeah, pretty much. The, The morning prayers have been super helpful for me. Like, because I was, I was meditating first, like just kind of quieting the mind. And now 
it's starting to shift to this more active thing where I can feel like I can channel a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like this morning I was meditating on a thought, like just one specific thought. And then like these words came to me that was, I see, I feel, but I will never really know, will I? And then oh, wow. that, that like stuck with me and that stuck with what how I'm seeing this human experience, like this human spiritual experience. And then those words like kind of energized me. And then I told them to my husband and he was working out in the living room. He's like, what? And then I asked him, what <laughs> does that mean to you? And he kind of said exactly where I was coming from. And I was like, oh, that's crazy that you kind of feel the energy behind that words, those words as well. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's so cool. And so beautiful. So what is your go-to breakfast of choice? Oh, I'm bad at breakfast. Uh, It'd be like your first meal usually or drink yeah. if you don't eat. Like whatever works for you. So my morning coffee or like morning drink situation, I used to drink coffee like a mad person. Um, and then I usually, I make homemade om- almond milk. So I'll mix that with like some maca powder, some like mushroom powders that I have. Uh, but then recently, like in the last two months, I've been pulling away from coffee because I get anxiety. I've noticed it. Me too. <laughs> so then now I'm switching to matcha and only drinking that coffee thing when I like know it's going to be a, a day. Yeah. Cause I had coffee today. I went to a coffee shop and like got to go coffee today. And that's the first time I've had strong coffee in a really long time. And I could tell how much it impacted my energy. Mm-hmm. I was like, I could feel like my anxiety surfacing like on my skin and I really had to ground myself because I was like, this is not how I want to feel. This is not what's going on. Yeah. It like throws you into an energetic state instead of like slowly building it, which I feel like teas are more of a slow build to it. Yeah. And then what is something you've done recently that has inspired you? I mean, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I've been eating better (laughs) because that's pretty basic, but I've, I think now I'm... As I'm like, I'm like a couple years into the spiritual journey of like kind of really discovering myself. And the more that I find, like fine tune my energetic output, if that makes sense, I'm starting to pay more attention to my body, which I never used to do at all. Me either, yeah. I've been listening to like, okay, this hurts. Like, why does this hurt? And trying to like educate myself on nutrition and all that stuff. Because I think generally I thought I was a healthy person. Like I would drink smoothies and I kind of would just eat what I thought was healthy. But then... I wasn't really paying attention to what the actual food, what role the food had to play and at what time. So um, my husband kind of inspired me into doing that because he's on this health kick right now. So I'm proud that I'm actually taking agency over my health right now. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm kind of in the same boat too. I was having a lot of digestion problems. So now I'm more tuned into how my food's making me feel. So how have you stepped outside of your comfort zone recently? Oh, this is funny that you say that because um, for work, so I'm a journalist, I'm writing this personal essay about, and it was at first it started as a story about sex clubs. And there's this like elite New York sex club that had to go to virtual online stuff. So I started to report on that story and figure out like what, you know, what, that's crazy. How does that even happen? Um, So then the founder of the sex club invited me to one of them. So I tuned in. And to make like a crazy story more digestible, I ended up, me and my husband ended up getting involved during the situation. And it was like pretty mind blowing to me because I just didn't think that that would happen or whatever. And so that's pretty much what the essay is about. So that was like stepping out of my comfort zone in kind of like a pretty big way. (laughs) Oh, totally. I really can't wait to read it too. 
I saw that you were working on it on Instagram and I was like, I'm really excited for that one. I'm excited too. I mean, like I've been going back and forth in my mind, like about feeling ashamed, but at the same rate, the story's being written from this frame. Like I grew up with childhood sexual abuse and that was so tough for me to handle. And I think for most of my life, I didn't really like pay attention to the feelings it was giving me or the heaviness it felt. And I kind of like, when I was a teenager, I, I was pretty wild and crazy. And then when I was in college, like it just, the memory, when I was in college, I started to really feel the trauma and get triggered in ways I didn't really feel in high school. And so less, the essay is a lot about that. Like, how is it to experience something like sexual like that? But then I also have all this pain from another thing. But I mean, I'm lucky because in 2016, after my husband proposed to me, I decided to like see a therapist for the trauma because I knew yeah. I was down there, you know? Yeah, totally. And therapy is really, really powerful mm-hmm. to go to and to use and to help like you I guess like express your feelings to another person because usually you keep it inside of you and you don't really tell a lot of people because I've been through similar traumas um, and sexual experiences and I didn't talk about it for the longest time. And then the past year I realized like, oh, it happened more often than I thought it did. And I would have never realized that without therapy. Yeah. I don't like, I'm a storyteller at heart. I've loved my whole life. I've been a writer and, um, it's crazy to think that when I went to therapy, when I was 26, it was the first time in my life I actually ever said the whole story of what happened. And it was multiple like instances. So kind of said the whole thing to someone out loud. And now that I'm like four years past that moment, when I first said it to someone, um, the full thing, I'm realizing that I took back power from that story. And now I'm able to rewrite it in my own. And it's crazy because I've always been naturally a writer. So why didn't I use my trauma to that? Like, you know, I guess you don't don't really know. You can't really choose that. And my therapist is the one who suggested, she's like, you should really try to write about this. I think that a lot of people would, it would help a lot of people. So. Oh yeah. I totally agree with that too. And I'll say it took me like a couple of years, but what she had suggested that and it, I still worked on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does, that's what happens to me too. They'll be like, oh, you should do this. And I'll be like, yeah, when I'm, I guess when I'm ready, <laughs> it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. And then what is your favorite aspect about yourself and why? Ooh, I like this question. I like this question because self-worth is something I discovered like just in recent years. And I feel so empowered in talking about it now. Um, because before I would think it's conceited to be like, Ooh, I like this. about Yeah. Me. That's what I thought the same thing, especially in high school. I was just like, Oh, talking about yourself. Like that's not cool. But now I'm like, no, own your shit. Like own, yeah. own your worth. <laughs> and I think that when you have like a really good foundation of self-worth or you have, were able to like lift it up in a genuine way, when you start talking about yourself, love out loud, or like praising yourself, it doesn't, it starts to come off more like, I don't know, acceptable or warm. Like when it's genuine, it makes more sense. Cause I definitely have had times where I probably was quote unquote boasting. This more has to do with probably work or something like that. And it was coming from a very like shallow place. Like I was trying to prove myself, but then. Like it was like your ego talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then after doing a lot of work around self-worth, I can understand that now. Like, Oh, that was my ego. Really? That wasn't me expressing like real love. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think the things I like about myself the most is I really like how my mind works. I love the way that I process stuff. 
I really love how when I experience something, I don't just experience it in my mind. It's already the story. I kind of laugh at myself because sometimes I feel like I'm playing out my life as if it were a movie. And I used to think that that was kind of dramatic and silly. But then now that I'm older, I'm like, this kind of makes life more fun. You know, I love that everything means something. Yeah. And that's really beautiful way to express yourself to yourself. Yeah, I think so. So how about you introduce yourself? Tell me about who you are, what you do, your story, whatever floats your boat. Okay. Well, hi everyone. I'm Carla. I am a journalist and I'm a writer and I am 29, which I hate kind of saying because I don't want to turn 30 or I do, but it's like nerve wracking. I went to journalism school because I loved writing. Like I kind of jumped in and I started as an English major and I Literally, my love for writing and telling stories was the only reason why I chose it. I'm like, this seems like a place to do it. And I never really consciously created that career path. It was just like, this is the easiest way for me to write. Which I personally think is when you when you follow that little like spark that you have for something, I think yeah. it sometimes like works itself around it. Because that's been true for me for sure. Um, I... For a little bit, I was going to work in television. I don't know if that's interesting, but... uh, Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I wanted... I was in college. I grew up in California, in Southern California. And my school was about... And I grew up in Los Angeles. So, like, the TV entertainment industry is pretty, like, prominent there. Yeah. It's booming. Yeah. So then when I was in college, I was obviously studying journalism and writing a ton. And I ideally wanted to write for TV shows. I remember thinking, like, that would be so awesome. Um, but when I ended up getting internships at like TV studios, movie, or I don't think I've ever, I only worked quickly interned for one movie production company, but the TV, I worked for a big TV network and, um, I was interning for them. And then my, the executive I was working for, like, liked me so much. She actually hired me. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And she created a spot for me, which I thought was really cool. So, um, I ended up working there when I was in college and, before I, when I was graduating, I also did like news internships, journalism internships. I was doing a lot at once because I was a pretty ambitious like girl. Um, but during that time, I was really crafting this world where I was going to work for that network. And I was talking to recruiters about that. And I already had a job and was getting paid doing it. So it was kind of nice. And it obviously was a very low level work, but it was like the, the ambiance of the life I wanted. Like I wanted it fast. Yeah. How old were you around this time? I was, uh, I started interning probably the end of my sophomore year. So however old, maybe like 19, 20, 20. Yeah, that sounds right. Because I remember they'd be like, oh my God, you're so young. This is crazy. But I had, I was doing that. So then when I graduated college or like maybe six months before I graduated college, I went to go visit my sister in Hawaii. So we have some family there. My sister had lived there. Um, and I've been going back and forth my whole life, but I didn't really have any like feelings towards it. It was just a cool place to visit. But when I went that summer, I should also preface this by, I grew up surfing as well. So the beach life, surfing, all of that was like part of my like DNA. I visited my sister, my winter break in my senior year. And I stayed for, I was supposed to stay for three weeks. I ended up staying for like a little longer than a month. And I completely fell in love. I moved to the North Shore of Oahu. Oh, wait, I didn't move. I was visiting, right? And I spent the whole month there. And something funny happened because I like, at that age, I liked to party a lot and I wanted to go out to the bars, but the North Shore is a really chill place. There's like not a lot. People aren't like really focused on the partying aspect. And I remember telling my sister like one night, let's go to the bar. Like, let's go drinking. It'll be fun. And my sister's like, 
no, no. And then finally at midnight, I kind of like pushed her enough to want to go. So we went and this was probably like week two of my trip in Hawaii at that time. Um, I got drunk and I was like carrying my sister on my back and we were running in circles and I fell on the floor and had this huge, like took a chunk out of my face. So oh, then wow. That, it was really bad. Oh my gosh. It kind of looked like I got into a car accident and it really had to slow me down. And for the next couple of weeks in Hawaii, it was really just about being present, being in the place, like just existing there. And my life slowed down. And in those two weeks or three weeks from that accident, I've realized like, I want to move here. This is where my, this is where my soul belongs. Like I felt it. And I remember extending the trip, staying longer, missing the first like week or two of school that I was supposed to be in. And I, um, remember going back to that big the studio network I worked for and going to my desk and thinking like, ah, oh, I don't want this life. Like, I don't want this. This is not what I'm here to do. And literally decided I was moving to Hawaii. And then that July, I think I just moved and I did it. And I worked for a small law firm there for like a second and I hated it and I moved. And, but like I said, I think in my life, I found when I followed my heart, things fell into place because that's also how I got recruited into the job that I have now, which is with this wonderful like media company. And I've been with them for so long and they've actually, they're the reason why my writing career has been able to flourish and exist. And I get paid to do that. So everyone should follow their heart all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause I think when you follow your heart, you're following also your intuition mm-hmm. and you're becoming aligned with yourself and yeah, like sometimes you can get off, like off track, I guess, or it can transition into something else. But the whole experience, the whole journey of following your heart is like a roller coaster, if that makes sense. It No, it totally does. And I'll also say this, like, I'm also the type of person where when I get an idea, I tend to like start already getting busy, make, trying to make it happen. Like I don't, I'm really impatient with myself. So I think it takes like definitely following your heart or listening to your heart and then like taking all the small actions you need to do to get yourself there. Because if you're taking enough smart action in the meantime, things will fall into place. They will. Oh yeah, totally. I, I a hundred percent agree. So when you were in Hawaii, when you moved there, what was that experience like for you and how did that shift your journey? Um, so I remember my mom and some people thinking like, you wanted to work in TV, like how, why are you just going to abandon all this and move what and work at a law firm? Like that makes no sense. And it didn't, it was a foreclosure law firm too. It was pretty, pretty depressing. Um, so when I went there, I really was just like, I'm here for the experience. I want to be closer to my family. I want to be living. I lived with my sister. It was really beautiful. She was also pregnant at the time. So I was able to like be there throughout that whole process. Um, and it honestly, it felt like a fantasy. I mean, I'm living on the East Coast now and we kind of moved here because of like a critical kind of moment and we're here temporarily. But I, when I think back on it, it was just such a, like a dream because it is everything that you say it is. And I'm lucky that I had family there. I know a lot of people who move there, they have a hard time fitting in because it's like different culturally. Um, but it was pretty amazing uh, the first four months, I remember I dated a person who's my sister's friend who had decided before I moved there that he was going to date me. So it was kind of like, I kind of just went with the flow and like let everything happen. But I also kept my dream alive of like, I freelance wrote, I made sure I was always like networking in that realm. And yeah, just kind of finding myself. I was 21. So 
what is yeah. it? Yeah. And I'm I'm only 22. I'm turning 23 in July. But like that like this type of age is just so like I feel like you either know what you're doing or you have no idea at all and you're kind of just like whatever because for me when I was I guess like last year I didn't think like I would be you know doing a podcast or anything but then when I started following my heart that's what led me to podcasting and everything that I'm doing now well that's huge and I'll say if you are 22 like a lot of times now I look back at my life then and I wish I had that bold confidence because the older I get and the more that life gets serious like marriage bills combining finances all these things Every, the stakes all of a sudden seem higher and it's harder, I find myself, to take big dramatic leaps. And I, I, I want to tap into that younger Carla who just kind of did things and just like made it happen for herself. And I still am that person, but now I'm just learning how to like really push down the fears when they come up because that's just now a part of life. Yeah. And what's that process like for you when the fears surface? Um... I'm a pretty reactive person. So I like kind of have a moment where I'm like, I have to call my sister and have a whole <laughs> Me too. dramatic conversation. <laughs> or I'll cry. I cry yeah. a lot. <laughs> definitely. That. Um, I definitely at the very beginning, probably make it this big thing in my head. And I'm just being honest. This is probably not, won't shine the best light on me, but whatever. Well, it's I'll, just who you are. Yeah. You know? I'll make it a big thing in my head. I'll either like rant about it to my husband or my sister, and then I'll calm down. <laughs> and then I'll like probably journal about it. I'd let the story stew in my head, try to reconfigurate how I'm going to organize my fears around what it is that I need. And then I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like, I tackle it on as if it's a problem. So I'll say, okay, is this a problem? Let me meditate on this or let me journal on this. Let me ask myself specific questions. I have so many lists of like brain dumps of like me trying to organize how I'm going to tackle the fear or what action steps I need to take. And to be honest with you, a lot of those lists ends up going nowhere, absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah. But it's just me expressing that energy of trying to like mm-hmm. figure the fear. And then typically I have an aha moment where like, all right, let's do this, you know? Yeah. I have um, a question because I relate a lot to that process. So this is a question I was going to ask later. I'm just going to ask it now. What's your... um astrology signs so I'm a Scorpio and I'm is my sun sign I'm a rising and moon Sagittarius okay, and in yeah. sign I am a, an emotional projector three five. Oh, so I don't know all the deets about the human design <laughs> my brother's a projector and I don't know a lot about projectors I'm a manifesting generator so well, we're very like I don't know He's also an Aries and I'm a Cancer. So (laughs) the whole dynamic is crazy. Yeah, but I'm a Scorpio rising. So maybe that's part of like the whole, the water part of it is like getting in your head. Mm -hmm. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know enough about astrology to say that's (laughs) correct, but um, getting in your head, but then also releasing it because when I go through the process of releasing fear, it's usually just like me, like word vomiting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I will reread it. Most of the time, it's just like, it's out. It's there. It's whatever. So back to your story, what were some key moments or experiences that helped um, shape you into who you are today besides just moving to Hawaii and experiencing that? Um, some big moments. I mean, so we were talking about the essay that I'm writing. Yeah. In the process of writing that essay, it made me realize that my experience from that like childhood trauma as much as I tried to move on from it and as much as my life has been successful and happy, that has always been 
like, like a, not like a tumor, like a little something that's been connected to me, like a little cat on my shoulder that won't let go. And every time okay, I yeah. think it's like, meow, I'm here. And before I went to therapy, I didn't realize how much of the decisions I was making, the way that I acted, the way that I drank, the way that I would get really angry when I was drunk. I didn't realize that that the cat on my shoulder was the reason for that. I didn't have a name for it. You know, I didn't even know there was something on my shoulder. And um, a part of me is always like, I kind of knew, like it was obvious in my mind, but I didn't have a safe place to work it out. And I didn't have a safe person to tell all these things to. Um, So that experience, it didn't transform me. It just shaped the way that I saw the world around me pre-therapy. But I will say that when I was in college, I kept on having moments where I was getting triggered, right? So you're in college, you're around new people, you have new experiences. And I remember one specific moment of um, talking, I was in a sorority and I was talking to one of my sorority sisters on campus. I just bumped into her and she was telling me the story about um, this like women's shelter that she volunteered at. And she was like, yeah, there's this young girl who's being um, abused or molested by a family member and she was like, just kind of talking about her story and how she was helping her. And during that moment, I froze up, like I completely clamped up and I like kind of excused myself and then turned around and just cried and just feeling so out of my body. And just like, I didn't know how to explain it or figure it out. And, um, it was moments like that, that kept happening in college that made me kind of like not seek help right away, which I did, but it didn't end up working out it made me more just cognizant of what I was feeling and that, wow, this has a physical effect on how I am as a person. Um, so I hate, I hate that that's a part of my story, but I no longer am letting it be a, that significant. I'm not letting it play that significant of a role these days. Yeah. And that's really powerful too, because it's so easy to latch on to these previous experiences and make them like a major part of you and like the and make it like a dominant theme throughout your story where it really doesn't have that much power over you as long as you like are I guess like giving that power to yourself yeah well and it's funny because as a journalist I cover a lot of like mental health related topics and I've talked to a ton of psychologists on different topics one thing that I've learned is that like we kind of put weight where we want it when we become conscious of it. But when we're not conscious of it, it is weighing heavy. But once we start to like really pick apart those things, we can choose whether or not we want it to be heavy or not. It may still, it can still hold some weight, but it doesn't have to be, like you said, the main dominant thing. And to be honest with you, one thing that I've been trying to work through recently is like, okay, well, now that I can put that story aside and move on, who am I now? Like, what do I do next? I'm starting to have all these existential things about like, holy crap, what do I do next? Kind of, you know, and it's, it's both people and freeing. So. Yeah, totally. And I think it's really, it's just really easy to like latch on to those. Cause for so long I was living in this mindset that my traumas were me mm-hmm. and that they made me. And I think they helped shape me because of the way that I had to, get through them and what I've learned from them from an outside perspective, but they're not truly like who I am and who I've always been. You know, I've always been me. It's always been inside of me. And there was just things that were outside sources that 
were just, I guess, pushing me more inside, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. It's yeah. like trigger points to like learn where you need to look into a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. So during this process of just like, you know, your up and down healing roller coaster, I guess is like a way to put it. Um, how was writing and, you know, cause you do poetry, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And you are a journalist. So how was your writing like going throughout this process? I've written a ton of poetry around this idea of my trauma and a lot of poetry around who I thought I was mad at. So it's very interesting to like, for me, a lot of these poems never see the light of day. They're just in my journal because that's kind of the way that I express myself. And it's interesting to see pre-therapy poetry (laughs) and post-therapy poetry because I can see how reactive I was and how angry I was at certain people in my life. And throughout the process of feeling, I realized like I can forgive myself for feeling negative. I can forgive the people in my life who have hurt me. Um, so a lot of part of my healing journey is just writing it out, like writing about what I feel. And, you know, I've been living by this mantra recently, but it's always been a part of my life that I should always communicate the strongest emotions because that's just, that's just what it is for me. I don't know why, I don't know why I have that strong urge to do it, but like, I know that that's how I heal. That's how I express myself. Um, what I've also found too, cause I've spent years just kind of like writing about myself and it wasn't until 2019, early 2019 that I decided I'm going to just tell my story and really flesh out that kind of stuff. Right. I, I already do it in my journal, but now, and I do it, you know, in other ways, but now I want to do it publicly and kind of walk people through what I'm going through. And I found that anytime I go through this storytelling process with myself and with whatever it is that is the issue or the subject of the story, I learn more out of it and it cements in my mind. So my essay, for example, I had been, I'd spent the week writing it. And last night I sat down with my husband, I read it out loud to him and he helped me like edit it, see what made sense, like grammatically and all that stuff. And I realized that there's so much power when you actually speak words into existence. Totally. Yes. So it's this like multi-phase process where I have the feeling, I have the story of it in my head and how it's hurt me and how I feel about it. Then I take the time to ask myself questions about the story. Why do you feel this way? Who's a part of the story? Who hurt you? What if they didn't mean to hurt you? I did this writing class last year in December where the teacher actually asked me a really crazy question about my story of trauma. And she said, I want you to write your story from their perspective. The person- oh, wow. And to me, that was huge. I don't, yeah. I personally think too that like, if people do have PTSD and they're going to do that, they need to make sure they have, you know, therapists or someone that they can, cause it can be a really like, like a, it can really displace you as a person. Yeah. And it can really trigger you and like kind of push you into a deeper hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So definitely. I would encourage everyone to do that. You need someone to walk you along that, but it was pretty, pretty, pretty eye-opening. And even in that experience, rewriting the story that way, I got so much healing from it, even more, even more than two years of therapy. And I even did, like, I've done EMDR therapy with my psychologist. So it was crazy. Like writing really for me is a part of that process. And there's just so much healing when you can look at your story 
and to kind of interview yourself about it, you know? Yeah, totally. So how does your poetry play a part in all of telling your story? Well, for me, poetry is a little slightly different because it's more about expressing like more of a singular thought or emotion. Um, I I have a poem about my skin. I think I recently posted about it and it was really about all the times I've hurt my skin, all the times I've like wanted my skin. I wanted me to be thinner or I wanted me to do this, or I kind of abused my skin in high school. I had a history of self-harm that no one really knew about like that. What was that about? You know, and that poem was really just like a love story, a love letter to my body saying like, I have done so bad to you. I've treated you so poorly yet. You still come through for me. I'm still healthy. You, you heal my scars. You do that for me. Thank you. Thank you for like still loving and forgiving me, even though I treat you poorly. And to me, that's what poetry is. It's like, you're, you're conveying a singular, most, most of the time, just like a singular thought or like a, an experience you're trying to walk through. So for me, it's just, again, in a very micro, in a a micro sense, taking something, a thought, an idea, a pain, a hurt, or a love, and, you know, letting your brain reconfigurate it. Yeah, and that's so beautiful, and it's so powerful. I've read some of the poems that you post online, and they're always so just opening. And I think so many people can relate to them, especially like women can really relate to a lot of the words that you say. So what usually sparks this inspiration to write a poem? Is it like a trigger? Is it a situation that happens or is it just something that's like different each time? I mean, to be honest with you, I... I have this, an, an, it's an impulse. It's an urge. It's like these words cannot contain in my body anymore. They have to get out. Like, and it sounds really cliche because I feel like a lot of writers say that, but it is true. Like when I have, when I am writing, it's almost like I'm out of my body for a second and I'm like, my soul's up in the air and I'm just like experiencing all these like emotions or these feelings and like adrenaline. And then when it's all on paper, the next thing is like, I have to share it. I have to share it. I have to tell someone. And I find that with a lot of other things too. Like sometimes I'll have an idea in my mind and I want to tell my husband right away, but he's busy or I'll think of a friend and I want to reach out to her right away and tell her I really miss her, but that's just too much. You know, like I am probably an impulsive person in that way where I'm always wanting to talk, to share my feelings with people. (laughs) Oh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But um, That's kind of why when I do have, because when I'm writing, it's kind of separate from posting. Like a lot of my writing, I'm just kind of doing it as my my time, my creative time. I'm flowing. Um, I'm getting like in touch with myself. But when it comes to posting it, that's when the urge comes to just share. Like I had this experience people should know. And um, I've also found over the years that a lot of these feelings that we feel, while everyone's story is so unique, a lot of them is universal. And a lot of people that have reached out to me over the past couple of years, they want to share their voice too. And they want their story to be heard, but they don't know how to tell it. Or they don't know how, they think for some reason drawing attention to yourself is just not good. No bueno, like don't do that. But if I can be able to kind of be that vessel for them and they can see something and they can be like, oh, something unlocked in them and they can feel it too, then I'm happy for them. But if I'm I'm being honest, these feelings are coming from my experience and it thrills me that I can connect with someone else and help them heal in whatever way through that 
writing channel. But that's why I think that a lot of these emotions are universal. There's things that everyone feels like, even if the story's unique. Yeah, I love that. And that's, again, just really, really powerful. And the way that you're, I guess, expressing yourself right now, I can feel too. You really love sharing with others because you'll know it will help them in the long run or you hope I guess it would help them in the long run yeah and I'll say like I've had a tricky relationship with this too because I've had cool really close friends of mine tell me that like they thought I talked about myself too much or they thought like I've seen people judge others for kind of being this way and I think for a lot of my life I kind of didn't write and publish a lot of my work because of that specific reason because I was told conditioned by other people that like people who are like that, they're not humble and everyone should be humble. And it's not even that I'm not being humble. It's just like, fuck, if my voice wants to be heard, why can't I let it be heard? Yeah, exactly. I have uh, friends that just don't understand why I'm so open online and share so much. And I don't know how else to explain it besides like, I just want to, like, I just want to share my journey. And I guess like part of it is because when I was going through my journey, I felt really alone and I would never want that like to... I wouldn't, I would never want someone else to feel alone, like the way that I felt. And I would want them to know that there are other people out there that have either gone through the same thing or going through similar things. And like, you can heal from it and you can like thrive afterwards. Yeah. I love that. And I I think that some people get triggered by this openness. Cause I'll say too, I used to get triggered by people who are so open online. I'd be like, what are they doing? Gosh, they're so like, out there well they're so conceited is the word mm-hmm. in my mind but like now that I'm on the other side I realize it's because people are getting triggered because they don't they don't see that as a normal thing you know no one's used to that we're slowly yeah. getting into it I mean people are kind of silly to think that that's normal not normal when Instagram is literally a platform where you just put your life on it all the time so to some degree everyone is living in this realm of conceit but when you're able to take power over it and just be like, okay, well, this is not just about conceit. It's about sharing and really, truly, genuinely embodying that version of it. I feel like it's going to trigger people because they're just going to see it as conceit because I once saw it as conceit. So yeah, never people will follow. I find that people end up catching on, you know? Oh yeah, totally. And I also, I um, recently has came to like my mind that, these judgments or projections or beliefs that others put onto us stems from something inside of them. So when I would judge people like in high school or I even like a year ago or like two years ago, it was something that was bubbling up inside of me that was bothering me or hurting me because I couldn't do it or I felt like I couldn't do it or whatever it may be. So I pushed it onto someone else when it was really never my place to push it onto someone else because it's like I'm projecting my belief onto them. And then when people do that to you, when they project your beliefs onto you, especially at a young age, you can keep that and then like live through that and keep their belief when it was really never yours to keep in the first place. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're so impressionable as humans. We're so impressionable. And which is fine. I think that's part of the human experience, but something happens when you become more conscious about your behavior and how you're receiving other people's energy. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty life-changing. What's your favorite thing about writing as a whole? I think the transformative power of like your own storytelling about being able to really look at your life and see what had happened to you. 
see how it made you feel, see what the outcome was, what, what kind of person did you become because of it? And then having the power to redefine what all that means, what are the, what themes do you want to pull from it? Um, I'm actually launching a writing course coming this year and it's to walk people through that experience for people who want to understand why they hurt, why they're happy, why they're in love, anything, and walk through that experience and try to pull out whatever thing that the universe is trying to teach them and then write it in a beautiful way and be able to talk about it in a way that people are going to understand. A lot of times our stories, they're just here. They're just here and we're not, we don't, we're not formulating them in any way. Not everyone has to do this, but something powerful does happen when you give your attention, bring awareness to a full story from beginning to end. And like I said, during this course, one thing I'm going to do with people is have them read to me out loud the full one when we're done working with it and doing everything about it. That's so powerful. Yeah, because I think I love language. I love words. And once you speak words into existence, they become a thing, a physical thing that maybe we can't see it, but it is now energy out there in the world. And if you are speaking and telling it from an authentic place, from a place of love and a place of understanding, then it's becoming a powerful thing out there. Oh yeah, totally. So did your entire journey spark the idea for this course? Yeah, pretty much. Um, the past couple of years, I have had really big transformations through writing, like in my writing practice, in what I've discovered, in how I even view my story. That's definitely changed a bunch. Um, and I realized that this is something that people could definitely benefit from. Like I get so many DMs from people saying like, you write so well, it totally resonates with me. I wish I could say that. I wish I could be as open or a lot of, I wish I could dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. So I want to help people do that. Why not? You, I don't, I personally don't think everyone out there is like here to share their story vocally. Some people just can keep it in their heart and like enjoy that and get the healing that they need. But there are a lot of people out there and I know because they reach out to me a ton they want their story to be heard or they just want to be able to tell their story to a friend, to a person in a way that's more meaningful and in a way where the other person can really feel them. Because at the end of the day, what this is, is a heart, a soul wanting to be seen. And yes, let's get that. Let's start. Let's how, let's get that for you then, you know? Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think it'll help so many people. I also own their story, just like own like their experiences and own who they are and what has or hasn't happened. And I see so many people, including myself, I used to do this all the time and I still do it occasionally saying like, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. It's like, well, you can, like you have that within you, but some people just need like someone to hold their hand a little bit or just be there to support them because they're too fearful to do it themselves for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you this. This is also why I got the idea for the course or it's of the workshop. Over Mm -hmm. my career as a journalist, I've had to interview so many people, celebrities, scientists, people. I once interviewed a guy from who lived in a naked hippie camp in Hawaii for like 10 years in the 70s and 60s. I forget when, but, um, I had to interview so many people and hear them tell their stories and then take what they said and make it in a way that a person can read and understand. And in order to draw out people's stories, sometimes you need to ask them the right questions, right? I also have listened to PR people like BS me. And I'm like, okay, let me just cut the cuts the crap. And like, we, we need to get the truth out of this, right? I apply that with my own storytelling. When I'm in my journal, when I'm doing all my personal growth work, 
I, I treat myself as if I'm investigating my life and I'm trying to like get the truth out there to me. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So I realize a lot of people have a hard time formulating their story or reaching deeper truths because they're not asking themselves the, the right questions. And sometimes it takes a second person to be like, well, what about this? What about that? Um, I recently led a highest self workshop with my friend and I led the writing portion of it where I asked people specific questions and gave them some time to write and then they would read it back to me or, you know, talk about their answers. And I would push them the same way I would as if I was interviewing a owner of a company or something. And I said, I'm going to push you here. I don't think you're going far enough. Or you said this, tell me more about this. Or I'll even just like pick out something and say, you know, this theme keeps coming up in your story. I think it means this. What do you think? And I found that people start to understand and conceptualize a lot of their mind and personal stories in a better way when someone's kind of like nudging them along and challenging them to be more, you know, be more truthful to themselves. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've seen that similarly with like coaches and coaching Mm -hmm. is they like, you can give them an answer and they're like, okay, but like get more specific or like, what does that really mean? Instead of just like a vague answer. And it helps the, like the person who's receiving the coaching or receiving the guidance. It helps them be like, oh, there's more to this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the storytelling aspect comes from, we live in this like social media age where everyone wants to share their story. Even if they say they don't want to, like a lot of people just want to feel heard. And being able to say it in a way that is, Number one, creative. Number two, in a way that like makes logical sense if you're reading it. And then number three, in a way that is compelling, that evokes emotion from people, that actually makes someone say, I felt that and I have felt that in my life. I want to help people give them the tools to be able to do that, give them the framework to think in that way. Because then I find you can be heard better when you kind of perfect your storytelling skills. Oh yeah, totally. And it helps you be really clear to the audience, the listener, the reader with what you're portraying to them. Exactly. And I think even more importantly, you become very clear to yourself. Like you can't hide from yourself anymore. You know what's down there. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's so beautiful. So you've been writing since you were like 10, right? That's what you said around 10. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So what has these almost 20 years of writing taught you? Uh, Let's see. It has taught me that words can make you feel. It makes you feel deep. One of my first times that I really got that like itch for writing was an English teacher when I was like maybe a freshman in high school and she said, fill in the blank. I heard a sound resonate down the hallway and dot, dot, dot. And we had to write a story. And as I was writing it, I was in that room. And I wrote this like really creepy story of someone like climbing in. Or no, uh, not a creepy story. It was a, a teenager sneaking out of their parents' house. And like all the fear that I was writing and I felt it. And I felt the emotions coming out. I was so excited, like super stoked. And it made me realize that like, dude, words have power to make people feel so if you have that power, are you going to use it well? And that's what it's taught me. I think in my career as a journalist, I've learned the truth is the most important thing that, you know, there's so many different ways to interpret stuff. And it's just so important to, at the end of the day, be truthful. You have to be truthful. That's all we have. We only have our integrity. And if you are not being truthful, then 
what are you? And you can even use that with your personal storytelling. If you're not truthful to yourself, then who are you kidding? It's just you. At the end of the day, it's going to be you in that coffin. Like, do you really want to lie to yourself for that long? Yeah. I, I love that because when you're lying to yourself, you're hurting yourself. And when you're truthful to yourself, even if the truth isn't comfortable, you're creating a stronger, I guess, attachment to yourself, a stronger relationship with yourself. And you're really showing yourself that you do care about yourself and you love yourself and you're embracing everything that's going on like to the core. Yeah. I think with all of this and like writing and storytelling, sometimes we don't even realize that we're lying to ourselves, right? Like there, have you heard of shadow work before? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it is like shadow work. We're so ashamed about certain aspects of our life that we just don't even touch it because it makes us feel bad. And we know it, we would be considered a bad person if we did it. So we kind of like pretend, right? We pretend it doesn't exist. So one of my shadows when I was in high school and college was I drank a ton and I would get really pissed off. I tend to get pissed off at the people who were closest to me when I was drunk. And um, I never even picked that apart. I just like, oh crap. The next morning I'm like, oh my God, I was such a bitch. Like, I'm just not even going to think about it. You know, and that probably went on for years, you know, until I really decided like, no, I need to, I need to do something about that. Let me sit with that shame. Why am I this bad person? And I allowed myself to call myself a bad person because that's what it was. And if we are so afraid to call ourselves bad, then we're never going to be able to get back to good. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I've been trying to share the message that you can be tough on yourself. And that's another way to show up for yourself and show yourself love and appreciation because you're being honest with yourself. Like, where didn't you show up for yourself today? Or where did you do something that really wasn't something you should have done? Or you spoke something to yourself or to someone that was hurtful? Like, what is that? And like, be honest with yourself because if you just keep suppressing it and pretending it doesn't exist, it's just going to hurt you more in the long run and hurt you farther down the line. Yeah. One thing I like to do with people when I'm working with them on like a writing thing is I ask them if they're talking about their story, what's the worst part? And how do you react to yourself when you know that? Because if you are saying you're a bad person and then your reaction to that idea is like, oh, that's terrible. You need to get better. That's such a bad way. This negative self-talk about a negative self-aspect, that's even further damaging it. You kind of have to nurture yourself back the same way a therapist would with a person, you know, or like a mother would with her kid telling them like, I unconditionally love you. I forgive you. It's okay that you did this, but now let's work on being better. You have to really pay attention to the way that you're talking to yourself. And like I said, like, Sometimes when you're writing it down, you can observe that. You're slowing down your thought process to observe how you're reacting to things. And it's really important for people to just also be gentle with themselves. Like be strict, right? You're saying be disciplined, grow in it, but also be gentle because you you just have you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why there's a difference between like tough love and actually like hurting yourself or bullying yourself. Because when you're giving yourself tough love, it's like you're calling yourself out, but you're not doing it in a way where it's just like punching yourself like continuously. And if you're just constantly punching yourself, like you're just going to continue to beat yourself down and beat yourself down and never build yourself up. And it's really important to help yourself build yourself back up from whatever you're experiencing. 
Exactly. You know, one of my best friends, we took a trip to New York and she's a really empowering figure in my life. And we promised each other for the whole trip. We're not going to let ourselves like say anything that was negative about ourselves or even what is that where when you're like your form of humor is oh, self-deprecation. Like you're not allowed to be mm-hmm. self-deprecating because she pointed out to me a couple of years ago that I would always say things like, I'm such a fucking idiot or I'm so stupid or I'm like, just kind of be really vicious. And she'd be like, dude, that's really mean. Why would you say that? And it what happened subconsciously. Like I didn't realize that's what I was saying. It just was like a reaction, you know? And um, a lot of that is just, again, pausing, slowing down and seeing how you actually talk to yourself. Cause I don't think we realize how bad that gets. Oh yeah, totally. And I, I really believe it takes like practice to start being able to notice it. Like last night I had a limiting belief, like I got triggered and I had a limiting belief, but I caught it. And like, I was aware that it existed immediately, like a year ago, two years ago, six months ago, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen like that quickly. Like in the continuous practice I have to myself is what helped that. And again, like with writing, like I started journaling every morning, I want to say almost two months ago. And that has been the most powerful thing for me. Cause I'm really, yeah. Cause it's like, I'm just like pushing all of my thoughts out. I'm, and I have like really powerful prompts too, uh, that just like help me know how I want to show up for myself for the day. And then also journaling at nighttime and seeing, well, where didn't I show up for myself today? Like, when did I hurt myself? And when did I just break a promise to myself? Because when you break promises to yourself, you know, you're breaking that trust within yourself and it's important to forgive yourself for it and see it as well. Yeah. I think like when you do, like your journaling practice sounds beautiful. And when you do that, you're actively participating in your life instead of letting yourself get swept up in it. And I think that's such a, a pausing moment to just really understand and co-create with everything is beautiful. Yeah. So if anyone wanted to start a writing practice for themselves, what would be the first kind of advice you'd give them? Oh yeah, this is a good question because a lot of people find it hard to write because they feel like they don't know what to say. They feel like they don't even know where to start. So I, when I'm in writing funks, I have three questions that I ask myself in my journal. And the first question is, um, how do I feel? So I just write down the emotions, the feelings. Then I write down, what do I see? So I describe where I'm at. This number two question is really good if you want to practice your like writing skills and creative writing skills, like describing what you see, how your body feels, the physical environment. And then the third question is, um, what am I concerned with today? So it's really just analyzing or asking yourself what's inside my mind what is the top part um i used to do this a ton in the mornings first thing in the mornings and it was a really good way to kind of figure out where i like where my mind was what was occupying my mind and what story am i telling myself behind that specific concern um and it's a really easy entryway into writing because it's just very basic it's just about describing your inner world your outer world and what you feel like you're worried about yeah i love that because i think so many people don't they don't know where to start and like they just kind of overthink the entire process and then they won't do it. So I also want to talk about your blog. So what's the name of your blog and where did the name come from? (laughs) Oh, it's funny because I made that clumsyideal.com. I bought the domain like 
seven years ago. I don't know. I've had it for a while. And I honestly didn't start actively using it until last year, which is silly, right? Um, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had some stuff in there, but it was kind of all just nonsense. Um, the clumsy ideal I got in my or thought in my mind, this was probably my early 20s. Uh, that's described me to a T that I am a very idealistic person. I have all these big dreams and big standards of how I should be living my life. Yet I also kind of think I'm a fuck up a little bit. <laughs> like I was a party animal, a wild child, like for a lot of my life growing up. Um, I made a ton of big mistakes that I probably shouldn't have and <laughs> hurt some people that I wish I hadn't and hurt myself in ways that I wish I hadn't. So the clumsy ideal to me was just like embodying what my life experience has been that huge major mistakes, but a part of me has always been this dreamer, this bigger person, this like idealistic person. And I'll say that recently I've been thinking about changing it because that I mean, I got it before I realized how powerful it was or how powerful the words I choose to use can be for myself. And if I'm constantly telling myself, Oh, the clumsy ideal, I'm a fuck up, but I have this big stuff big dreams that it's not healthy for me anymore to kind of hold that together. But I mean, I don't know. It's such work to try to change things and I don't like any technical stuff online. So it might just stay put for a little bit. Yeah. And then maybe one day something will like come to the forefront of your mind and you'll be like, that's it. Like that's the name. Yeah. Well, I'll also say too, I had a similar thing happen with my Instagram handle. So my Instagram handle is happy little Carla. I wrote that in 2012 when I was really, really depressed, very depressed. Um, I, long story short, I was just depressed. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, at that time, I started to lean into like the spiritual stuff, like the very like mainstream spiritual stuff that's out there. So like the law of attraction, manifestation. Um, yeah, I read, that was what I did too. Yeah. I read Osho's book, um, the Cone of Loneliness, which was really good. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. And then um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Well, basically, I was like trying to be like a manifest. Mm -hmm. uh, law of attraction. I need to embody this, blah, blah, blah. Which I, I have different opinions on now, but I'll say that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the time, my little 21-year-old Carla was like, if I'm going to be happy, if I'm going to pull myself out of this depression, I'm going to change my Instagram name to something that when I see it every day, if I see the word happy and my name enough together for so many times, I'm going to actually be happy. And that actually did happen, but I don't necessarily think it was because, okay, I changed the Instagram name and then I manifested happiness. I think it was because I, I made the conscious choice to start working on it. I didn't tell myself, oh, magically become happy with manifestation. I told myself, no, let's, let's put in little practices that you kind of remind yourself, a little, a little gentle nudge from the past to say, Hey, you're going to be okay. Cause around that same time I started running every day. I started getting really big into working out, started getting into yoga again, meditation. Um, I dove deeper into my writing practices and all of those things built on top of each other to help me get out of depression. Mm -hmm. It was a process. Yeah. And you know, everyone's process out of depression is different because I can't just because that worked for me doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for someone else, but that was part of my story. And see, that's another instance where my Instagram handle, handle like happy little Carla, I don't think it perfectly describes the, what the kind of stuff that I put out. Cause a lot of the stuff that I put out sometimes has to do with trauma. Sometimes have to do with sadness or my history with depression and all that. Like it's hard 
because I feel like it doesn't embody it. But I also feel like that's just a part of the story. That's how everything played out. Exactly. Yeah. And I think because with mainstream spirituality, I feel like there's this stigma around how everyone should be positive all the time and everyone should be happy all the time. And if you're not happy or positive or whatever, things aren't going to happen for you. And that's very false. Like when I started my spiritual journey, I was like, I have to be happy. Like I have to like shift my energy like right now and like figure it out. And I was like, no, if I I was trying to put this false sense of happiness and positivity on top of me and then not deal with the problems. But like true spirituality to me is like you dive inside of you and you see these traumas, these experiences, thoughts, beliefs, whatever it is, you see them for what they are, you work with them and then you can shift out of it, but they still might bubble up time to time. Like it's not something that's like a one and done. Okay, we're healed. We're done. We're good forever. And now I'm happy forever. It's like, that's not how it works. Okay, exactly. I'm, I feel like you're so lucky you're learning at this at 21 because I read The Secret probably like my senior year of high school. So the manifestation law of attraction like rhetoric was in my head for a very long time. And I tried to apply it to my life. And I had signs of PTSD, but I didn't know it. And I was falling into depression often. And I was drinking erratically because I didn't know how to handle how to feel emotions normally. And Mm -hmm. I tried to apply spiritual practices then. So I did meditate then. I did go to yoga class then. Um, I did try to like make vision boards and try to manifest and all that stuff. And to some degree, I do feel like I was powerful and I was able to do that, but it was really surface level stuff. Like I never really, it didn't heal me. Basically spiritual stuff did not heal me at that time. What did yeah. heal me was going to a therapist and actually working that stuff out, right? Yes. Like allowing myself to like say the truth, say it out loud, not be afraid of it. Let my therapist tell me, okay, that's healthy. That shame is healthy. That guilt is unhealthy or whatever, you know, like everything. And then now that I've done that process of really understanding it from a better foundational level, I can dive into spiritual practices with more sustenance and I get more out of it. Before when I was meditating, I just really just be there. Maybe it felt good. Now when I'm meditating, I can get deeper down and notice, okay, this is a feeling of shame. I know where it comes from. I know why I'm feeling it. Let it go. Oh, this is coming up. Let it go. Before any doing any deep diving work, I wasn't really ever letting anything go. I was like, I would say, oh, I'm just going to let this go. But that was just staying yeah. out of here. <laughs> you were still housing it. It was still like you were still the parent to it. And it wasn't really like moving away from you. Yeah, I experienced the same thing. And I think for me too, therapy was the big shift for me. It That was the first person I ever told like and said out loud, like, I think I'm in an abusive relationship and I need to get out of it. And I didn't like go into the session thinking I was going to say that, but I remember it like being at the forefront of my mind and I said it and I was like, wow, like, I don't think I could have said this to anyone else. Like right now, yeah. like admitted that truth. And it was like, I was admitting that truth to myself while talking to him. Mm-hmm. And that was like four years ago, five years ago. So I think your your spiritual journey is so powerful when you really tune into the I want to say like the dark sides but I don't think like they're like dark like I don't know but like the dark sides of it I think it's so much more powerful when you realize them and you let them like come come up I I totally agree um and I I'll say this because I think it's also important 
there's some like aspect of spiritual work that I get a little bit nervous about sometimes because I do really think that someone needs a dedicated guide or specific person to lean on, or even just like a really close friend to lean on while they're mm-hmm. pulling up all this stuff. Like I think shadow work is be- a beautiful thing, a beautiful tool, but I feel like you need to this, to some degree be a little bit stable. Cause if someone went through something like some extreme traumatic thing and they're pulling stuff up, it's, you know, it can trigger a lot of like a depression again or a shame spiral or something that they can't pull themselves out of, out alone. So I would just encourage everyone to like ask for help. Always ask for help. It's so hard to do. I know it. I didn't ask for help until I was 26. So that was like what decades of just feeling it my own. Um, it's okay to ask for help and whoever you ask help from, just make sure it's someone you trust. Yeah. And you don't have to feel shame around asking for help. It doesn't mean that you're weak or that, you can't do it on your own. It's just like, you can't, you just having support's beautiful and having support is having strength and it's okay to ask for help because, you know, you just need it sometimes. Like it's a strength to have, to be able to be like, I need help. Like I can't do this alone anymore. Exactly. And I'm, I'm like, like I said, I've always been an ambitious person. I'm all about efficiency. So if, if something's going to help me operate as a more efficient writer, a more efficient journalist, a person, a wife, I'm going to try it out. You know, and I feel like sometimes in therapy or if you have a coach or anyone that you're working with, it's just fine tuning you to like live the best life that you can possibly can. And I don't find any shame in that at all. How is that shameful? You're just trying to like live it up, you know? Exactly. So I want to talk about your blog a little bit more um, since we're getting like close to the end time. Um, How has creating your blog shifted or contributed to your relationship with writing and has it deepened it at all? Because now you're sharing your story a little more openly. Um, It has. It definitely has. Number one, some of the stories on my blog are ones that like I felt like I needed to tell. And in the act of writing it to an audience, I had to do what I said earlier. Like I had to re-examine what it actually means to me. Some of those stories happened like years ago, a long time ago. And I had to like really see now that I am this age or this person, what does it mean to me now? Um, it also helped me be more of an open person and un- an unapologetic person. Did I say that right? Un- yeah. An unapologetic person about who I am, why I am and what I need to say. Because I think a lot of times we move through life kind of having secret pockets of ourselves that we don't really let people know. And, you know, just, we don't really ever let anything out there. And I kind of just let it all hang out. And now I'm like, okay, well, you know, most about me. So now I can also just be me and not really worry about who's judging me or not. I do still worry about that. Right. I'm going to put out an essay about my sex life. That's weird, but it's more of an empowered place. Like I'm choosing to do that and it's going to be all out there. And it's kind of me betting on myself. I'm betting on that. Like, I believe in myself enough that like if people, they can take it or leave it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And what are some of your favorite blog posts that you've written and that you would, that I guess like you would really like to share with the listeners? Mm. Well, that's a really good question because a lot of my blog posts aren't really like, they're not like listicles. They're not informational. They're more about like my story. Um, one of my most favorite ones to write was, uh, I wrote an essay about in Hawaii when they had that missile, nuclear missile alert and what was happening for me and my husband. Like we literally, I was kind of like, we need to get shelter. And with this whole moment where like really ugly parts of me came out, we got into a fight in the middle of it. We literally had like seven minutes to like seek shelter and it was intense. 
And the reason why I wanted to write that out because was I wanted to process what had happened during that moment, tell people like when you're in crisis, when you really feel like the world's going to end, ugly parts come out and that's okay. And at the end of the story, the essay kind of reminded me like, at the end of the day, all that really matters is that you, the people you love know that you love them. And writing that out really gave me a moment to like really understand, oh crap, now I know how it kind of feels like if you feel like you really might die soon, you know? And um, I would say the other essay that I really liked or the blog post I like writing was the shadow work one because I think shadow work is one of the most important things that we can do if we have the support for it and like if we're there to emotionally to be able to do it. And I think it's a word that a lot of like people who aren't in the spiritual realm don't know about. So I kind of wanted to just normalize it a little bit more and let it be a part of people's vocabulary because it's a really good tool that you can use in any moment. Yeah, I, I love that. And I will leave them in the show notes for the the listeners to read so they can feel your writing because your writing is very powerful and you can feel like the emotions when you're reading it. I mean, like that was my experience. So I'm just assuming that other people can can feel it too. So what do you love most about creating content? I love the ability to share, to hold space for shared emotion. Like that is something, that's why I like writing because it makes me feel less alone in things. The sharing part of it makes me feel less alone. And I know that for people who it resonates with, they feel less alone too. Um. I just love being creative as well. Like I love being creative. Um, I'm, I'm so happy that word posts started to be a thing on Instagram. I mean, I, I've been on Instagram since like 2012 before anyone was really using it. And the shift to like motivational posts, poetry, all that stuff. Like I love that. So I kind of like making my words beautiful as well. I have a friend who's an artist, a really talented artist named Key. And we're going to work on a project coming up about her making art with my poetry and I've done that beautiful. Before. Yeah, it's really nice. I've done that before with a friend, another artist friend of mine. Um, and it's just really cool. I love the sharing of art on Instagram. It's just, it's another beautiful. Form yeah, totally. And then what creative projects are you working on launching? Because you said you had a workshop coming up. I don't know if you have the dates for them yet. And if not, that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the dates of the workshop aren't set in stone. That's one where I will really walk people through the writing process. It's really for people who, number one, they want to tell a story, but they just don't know how, but they know it's at the tip of their tongue and it'll help them really work through it. I really want this to be a transformational experience for people to understand themselves on all different levels. And then two, just to learn how to write with style a little bit more, write in their own voice and write with a good flow. Um, So that's going to be coming out later this year. Uh, what the thing that people can look out for is that project that me and my friend are working on the one with the poetry and the art. And one thing that's coming out in June, actually, it's not necessarily has to do with writing, but I'm doing a, I'm opening up spots for human design coaching. So what I'm so exciting. Yeah. And it's kind of like, not going to be like a traditional human design reading session. I'm using the human design system as a platform for people to do self-study. And the reason why I think that this could be important, especially for people who like writing or expressing themselves is human design, just kind of like astrology and all that kind of stuff is just a system where you can understand yourself a little bit better, understand your energy and how you express it, how you express certain feelings and how you receive certain feelings from other people. And this is going to be 
an intensive, <laughs> like five week expert, sorry, 10 week, 10 week experience where people can like really figure out who their highest self is, how they can embody it, understand how they operate now and, and just get really deep into all that kind of work. Yeah, I love that. And I can't wait to have you back on the podcast to talk about human design because there is so much information out there about human design. But from what I've like heard from other people who've worked with you, and I want to work with you with human design in the future because I like I know about human design, but I don't know that much about human. Like I know that I'm a manifesting generator, but I have no idea like what that really means and all of that <laughs> stuff. Um, that it really you do it in a way that helps like you shift throughout your journey and like use it to like amplify your life, I would say. Um, whereas like I've gotten like a blueprint from someone before and they're like, this is like the basics about it, but then it doesn't really help me like apply it to my life or anything. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up now because I've had a really hard time trying to separate my life as a writer and my life as a human design guide because to me, those two things are very separate, but also together. I approach human design as a writer as well. I kind of like, if you have a session with me, I push you the same way I would push someone if we're doing a writing session. And there's a reason why, like, I don't really put my actual posts on Instagram are never really about human design in a covert way or in a, in an obvious way. And I don't just tell people like, oh, you're a projector. Here's all that information. Because I also have once gotten a blueprint where it's like, this is a lot. How does it apply to my life? It almost felt like, yeah, I resonated with it, but it felt mm -hmm. so impersonal, you know? Yeah, exactly. And human design is just a really good platform to just understand yourself better and dig a little bit deeper. Um, and when I give people readings, I don't just like tell them. I We talk about their lives. I talk about, I'll bring up, like if they have a gate and that gate has a specific theme, I ask them, how has this presented itself in your life? Like, or if they don't resonate with it, I'll, I'll ask them, how does that make you feel? Like you have this activated yet it's not apparent in your life at all. So how can we integrate it? Or if you've never felt it, why don't you think that you let yourself face this fear? Uh, there's a lot of shadow work that happens sometimes in human design because it's like, if you don't think that this, this theme presents itself to you, why are you pushing it away? And it's interesting the things that start coming up with people. Yeah, that's, that's so exciting. And there's so much to understand about oneself through human design and like the gates and stuff I have no idea like what any of mine are or anything like that so it's going to be really interesting to talk to you about that all so what is a fact about you that not many people would know about Ooh, this is hard for someone who's very open about themselves online mm -hmm. um something that people don't know about me probably if you weren't like my sister or my best friend I can be very type A, but only when it comes to my work. Like when I'm working, like doing my news reporting or whatever, I become very freaking serious. Or if I'm like working on a project or something, I just get super, super serious. And it seems like opposite of my like excitable, happy little Carla self, you know? Mm -hmm. And I find that when people learn that about myself, that I'm kind of like, I can... I'm a messy person. I'm very free flowing, but I can be type A about specific things. And when people see it, they're like, oh, wow, I would have never thought that you'd be that particular of a person. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And then you said your sun, moon, and rising in your human design mm -hmm. already, but do you really relate to those? I for sure relate to being a Scorpio. <laughs> I definitely have always had this like inherent kind of darkness and moodiness to me. Um, a lot of like my sexual expression I've seen come out as a Scorpio. I would say my Sagittarius, I really don't really know too much about that. I know people have told me like, 
I think you might have Sagittarius in your chart because I guess it's a fire sign. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess that's where that fiery part comes from. Uh, the projector side, when I learned I was a projector a couple of years ago, that, that, that changed my life because I resonated a lot with wanting to be seen and wanting to help people, but then being too much, pushing myself too much on people. And when I finally learned how to kind of ease up and stop like, trying to be like, look at me, look at me, or not even, not that I was saying those words out loud, but I had the feeling of like, oh, I wish I could be seen. I wish I could help people. I wish someone would like, let me guide them. And if I tried to push it, it wouldn't turn out good at all. And when I finally eased up and let be more graceful about it and wait for those invitations to come, that's when I started to kind of flourish. And I I did that a lot when I started to share my writing. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna let it be. I'm gonna let myself be who I am and not hide it and let people come to me and wait for those invitations. And honestly, once I started doing that, invitations did come. It's kind of like really oddly magical how that happens. Like even this podcast interview. In this last week, I've had a few people reach out to me for podcast interviews, which I never thought would have happened. And it really, it's the grace and the subtlety of like letting yourself be seen, but not pushing it. So I love that. Yeah. And then what do you believe is the importance of telling your story or anyone telling their story? I think it's important for people to tell their story. And when I say tell their story, I don't necessarily mean put it up on Instagram or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, write a book. I just mean like telling their story, maybe even just to a close friend or someone that they feel safe with. Because when you decide to say something out loud, you start to understand it from a different perspective. I think it's just natural. In the act of it going from here to here to your voice and being out loud in the world, you start to hear it. And you start to think a little bit more. It's almost like you're watching a movie now and you're watching things play out. And as you're saying your story, walking yourself through it, letting it become a vocal, energetic thing, some transformation happens. And some of it, I can't even explain why, but I do know that it's true. I think if we look back to this huge Me Too movement that has happened in the last few years, that is the best example of when people get to tell their story a shift happens, an energetic shift happens, and it's a beautiful thing. I totally 100% agree. And when I write stuff out, when I write stuff and then I say it out loud, I can feel it so much more in my body and just like in my soul in general. And it feels so powerful. Have you watched Midnight Gospel? I have not. Oh God, watch it. It's mind blowing. And it's also based off of like a podcast too. They just like took the recordings from the podcast and put cartoons to it. But there, there's one meditation master who talks about how your voice is energetic. So when we talk about like um, oral history, right? A lot of indigenous cultures practice oral history. A lot of people think like, oh, it's just, it's just vocal storytelling, but it's not. It's actually the energy of an ancestor vocalizing something to you and you taking that energy and you vocalizing it again and you're passing down that energy so when people say oral history when it relates to indigenous cultures they truly mean that's a part of their heart that's a part of their ancestors and their family now to some degree we can use that ourselves i'm not obviously not take from an indigenous culture but we can use our power our personal power to tell our stories and vocalize that and pass that on so someone else can energetically hold that space for your story I love that. I'm going to have to look up where to watch that and then watch that because that's been coming to like the forefront of my mind recently. Just that everything you just said has been like, like, I guess like ancestors and telling the stories and stuff like something 
around that spectrum has been like in my head as of recently. So that's so funny that you mentioned that I should watch something like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. It's interesting because I grew up actually dancing hula and going to a Hawaiian, like a cultural, they call it halau. So you dance hula, but I was also learning the language and the culture. I'm Filipino, by the way, but where I grew up, there was like a heavy Hawaiian population, like a large Hawaiian population. And I um, learned the dance, learned the history and the connection that they have to their like people and their culture and their story has always made a huge impression on me. And I felt really honored to be able to practice with them. And also say too, like growing up as a Filipino in the United States and my parents were born in the Philippines, there was always a push to be more American. And like, I am very, I am American and I'm very American, (laughs) but like, I kind of I was kind of ashamed if I'm going to be straight up, I was kind of ashamed about like, they say these things called fobs. Like you don't want to be fobby. You don't want to be one of those like Filipinos who are, have accents or whatever, which is kind of now that I'm older, like after in college, I was like, no, I don't, I get why my parents like, or to some degree we had to like embody whatever, you know, you know, to be safe in order to like Mm -hmm. be part of the culture and succeed. But I wish more, I wish that I had taken an active role in studying like my culture because I did it with hula, I did it with Hawaiian culture, and I've been doing it over the years now with being Filipino, but it's just that, you know, it's, I feel like I kind of missed out on that. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. So how are you going to put love and care into yourself for the rest of the day? Ooh, okay. I'm going to do the class. <laughs> I don't yes, know. I did that this morning. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, I've been doing it, and like, it is such an experience. I love that kind of movement, oh, so. yes. I'm going to do that, and... I don't know, probably drink more water. (laughs) Yeah, that too. I did it this morning because my heart was really, really heavy this morning. And I did a cardio session to help amplify like my heart space. And it pushes so much out of me. It's beautiful. So I'm really happy like you're doing that because I think the class is so powerful. Just movement in general. It's just like so powerful. Yeah, actually, you just reminded me too. I've been starting to do cacao little rituals with myself that are something. (gasps) Yeah. And um, I started doing it like a couple weeks ago and I don't know what, maybe it's just the act of intentionally like consuming something, but I think I'm gonna do that tonight. You inspired yeah. me. Maybe I'll do that too. Yeah. I really want to open my heart. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or the class, that thing that they do with arms. Yes. The, um, the heart. heart opening at the end. That is like, that's when I usually break. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, time to cry. <laughs> Exactly. Um, what's a quote, saying, or piece of advice you want to leave the listeners with? Ooh, piece of advice. I'll guess I'll show a share a mantra that I wrote myself, and the only reason yeah. why I this morning it's right here. I saw that it was randomly posted up on my wall. I don't remember really when I wrote it or why it was like in a random spot on the wall, but I'll share it here. Yeah. It says, more of an affirmation and says, I am fully capable of what I want to do. And I have the grace to be that person that gets it. I love that. And that's something that I've been struggling a lot with lately. And I've been telling myself every day that like, I can do it. I am capable. So I really love that. And then was there anything else you wanted to mention before we end today's episode? Um, No, not really. I just encourage people to take some time to study the self. I feel like when you do that with a loving heart, your life can 
pretty changed pretty dramatically. Yeah, I second that. <laughs> and where can people find you? Cool. Yeah. So um, happy little Carla is my Instagram. I pretty much live there. I find stories to be super fun. <laughs> and um, that's where you're going to find most of my poetry and my writing. And the clumsyideal.com is where you're going to find my blog. And if you wanted a human design session, there's that. You can always reach out to me there. And I'll also just say, feel free to DM me on Instagram, anyone out there who's listening, because I love having conversations there. I have actually made some really good friends through Instagram. And I just love talking. I love like exploring friendships and it's, you know, so feel free to reach out. It's it's a beautiful way to connect with people. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much. I really loved everything we talked about and just like spirituality, writing, all of it. It was really beautiful conversation. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. All right, everyone. That was the podcast episode. So thankful that Carla came on to the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I love talking to her. She is so smart. She is such a crazy good writer. She is a remarkable journalist and an even better human design reader. I am so honored to have her on the podcast and I cannot wait to have her again. If you have any questions about human design, please hit me up and I will be sure to ask them when I interview her about it in the upcoming episodes with her. I don't know when those will be. We haven't made any plans, but I promise you I will be interviewing her again. We already talked about it and I'm so excited about it. This week, I challenge you all to really own your story. Yeah, I love that. That's what this was about. Own your story, guys, and share the power of words throughout your story. So I'm challenging you all to tell a story about yourself to yourself, to own your story and know that your story is ever growing. It's evolving just like you are. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram. I have my blog. I have my Facebook. They're all linked in the show notes, but most importantly, Instagram is where you can get in contact with me. I'm so consistent on Instagram. I love Instagram. It's at soulfullyemily in the show notes. All of that will be linked and Carla's socials, Carla's application, her blog, all of it will be linked in the show notes as well. Now there is a difference between her blog and the application page. Her application page is carlatherwriter.com and her blog is thecomestheideal.com. So both of those will be linked in the show notes as well as her Instagram. So go check her out. She is so amazing. You will not regret following her or doing any work with her. She's incredible. I would absolutely love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or any other review sites. I want to do more interviews in the future. Again, I said last week, it's not going to be a heavy interview-based podcast. I'm really going to let the podcast flow, but I want to get the message out there. I want to get my message out there of your worth is attainable and you deserve to live in your desired reality. So please write and review the podcast. It means so much to me. I'm not going to repeat that again, but it means so much to me. So please do it. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, again, I wanted to thank Carla for being on the podcast. Such a pleasure. Such an amazing conversation. Absolutely love that girl. And I cannot wait to see 
what she comes up with in the future for programs, launches, and I can't wait for my next human design reading. I'm so excited for that. Anyway, so with all that being said, I don't want to ramble on too much like I was rambling on in the intro. We all know how I can be. So I want to say goodbye. I'm going to go. I'm going to go make some dinner. And I cannot wait to chat with you all next week. Bye, everyone.